0: It's a sort of a, uh, an opportunity for our customers to add solar energy to the marketplace. Uh, and so that's really the, the theory uh, behind
1: how we built the program.
2: As far as the overall cost per kilowatt hour, their system is a ripoff. From the digital journalists of WDRP.com, this is Uncovered. A behind-the-scenes look
3: at stories affecting education, business, criminal justice, and more in Louisville, Kentucky. And now for the show. Welcome to Uncovered. I'm Marcus Green with WDRB.com. Coal keeps the lights on. That's been the mantra in Appalachia's mines and coal fields for generations. And it's true that utilities like Louisville Gas and Electric still generate much of their energy from coal fired plants. But with climate change increasingly threatening our world, renewable energy is making its case as well. LGE recently started Solar Share. It's a program that allows people to buy individual shares in a solar farm in Shelby County. This is an alternative to the sometimes expensive process of putting solar panels on a residential house. But is it a good deal? WDRB business reporter Chris Otz took a deeper look in his Sunday edition story this weekend, and he joins me to talk about it. Chris, welcome to Uncovered. Uh, Thanks. All right, so you and our colleague Jessica Bard did a really compelling story this weekend about solar share. Well, first off,
0: what is this? How does it work? When you're driving on I-64, next time you may be going between Lexington and Louisville or Frankfurt and Louisville, take a look around Simpsonville, and you will see this massive array of solar panels right on the side of the highway. I just saw it last week when I drove out to Frankfurt. So that is what LG&E calls its community solar project, solar share it's called solar Share because there's a community of people who care about it. Anyone in who's an LGE customer can buy into it, buy a share, so to speak, of this solar power production. The idea is that they will have a group of people who, collectively come together to pay for the installation of this renewable energy and will share in the production of the renewable energy via credits on their monthly bills. So about 1,300 people and businesses have signed up so far. Uh, They have opened the first section They did that this past summer. They're about ready to start on the second section, and they're about halfway through the signups that they need to start building the third section. This particular site could have as many as eight sections in all.
3: Okay, so let's reset this. I am a person who wants to participate in this. It's like a community garden. Everybody gets a plot or they sign up for a plot, but in this case, a plot is a share. I'm not actually linking up and getting solar power to my house. I'm basically getting a share that allows me to get a credit that goes against my electricity bill, right?
0: Yes, that's right. So there's, no, there's not a direct uh, tracing of the electrons produced at this solar panel facility to the, to the homes and businesses of the people who are subscribers to it. They're merely getting the credit Uh, for what LG&E calls the, quote, additionality of the solar generation to the grid.
3: All right, when you sign up for SolarShare, what do you do and what actually happens?
0: Basically, you agree to take on a cost to cover the, the installation of this big solar facility, a, a share of it, and then you get credits for the solar power that is produced there off of your monthly bill. So there's two ways you can pay for it. Uh, you decide how many shares you want to buy. One share is uh, about 1 of what a typical household uses in a typical month. And once you do that, you can either pay for those shares through monthly charges, a fixed flat monthly fee on your bills. It's $5.55 per share. Or if you're really into it, and you want to get a little bit of a cost benefit for paying up front, they have the option of paying a one time all at once per share charge. And that charge is $799. You pay that once for each share, and then you get the energy production from that share for 25 years, which is the expected lifespan of that facility in Shelby County.
3: Okay, so let's say I buy a single share. I pay $5.55 a month. What are the odds that I'm actually going to recoup that amount and be able to apply that direct
0: credit back to my utility bill? Well, you'll get some credit, but the odds that you'll be able to recoup that $5.55 are 0 LGE puts out a uh, expectation of what each share of the facility produces. And that amounts to anywhere on average $0.50 to $3.50 of bill credits. So even in May, which is the sunniest month, and even if you were uh, consuming all of the electricity at the same time it's being produced during the day, which is something that matters for this program, uh, you still would not get credits – that reach that fixed cost that they're charging. Bottom line, what did you find out? Is this a good deal? So the purpose of this story, I really wanted to take a look at what do you get when you sign up for SolarShare? How does that compare to if you had put an array of solar panels on your house or in your backyard or whatever? Uh, and they really are very different things for a couple of different reasons. And to cut to the chase here, on a pound-for-pound basis, solar share is not a good deal. I mean, there's just no other – I mean, that's the conclusion that I came to. I'm sure lg would dispute that. Uh, but when you look at what you pay versus the energy credits that they make available to you – uh, you will never – you really have very little hope slash no hope at all of recovering the cost. If you pay on a monthly basis, which they allow to do, it's certain that you will never have bill credits that equal the charge that they – the extra charge that they um, put on you for participating in the program. If you pay the upfront cost, which is $800, 799 to be exact – for each solar share, there's very little chance that you exceed that, you reach the, quote, break-even point within the 25-year lifespan of these solar panels. So on a pound-for-pound basis, it's not a good deal. Here's where it may, may be a good deal. Uh, a lot of people do not have the money or the practical circumstances to install solar panels on their homes. Maybe they're renters. Maybe they live in multifamily buildings. Maybe they have too much shade. Maybe their roof is not shaped in a way that would be ideal for solar. And so this is an easy way. All you do is sign up and your bill changes, but you don't have to do anything else to participate in generating some solar energy.
3: And this would be lg es argument, which is, hey, you don't have to tear up your roof and install solar panels and pay for this upfront overhead cost. We're taking care of that. All you're doing is signing up and getting a credit. So you don't have to make the investment up front. You're just getting, theoretically, some of the benefit. That would be the the argument that LG&E would make in trying to justify why it's affordable.
0: They really harp on the convenience of this, the affordability of it. Um, there's two, two things that are important. Number one, you do not have the upfront cost. That's a big issue. You know, getting a solar system is a lot like buying a, a newer model car. Uh, I mean, how much uh, is it for uh, a new solar system? In the $20,000 range. Okay. Uh, you get a hefty federal tax credit that might bring it more into the $15,000 range but it's expensive. A lot of people do not have that money up front. Uh, so that, that is definitely an issue. The second thing that LG&E will say, and this is also true, is that once you agree to pay them for solar share, you're not going to ever incur any additional cost for maintenance For the issues of, you know, if the facility has problems or it breaks down, if you put solar panels on your roof and you need to replace your roof, you're looking at a couple thousand more dollars of costs to do that because you have to take the panels down and put them back up. So things like that, the ongoing maintenance that they take care of, they say you also have to consider in looking at this program and the uh, supposed return on investment. And one of the things that is very interesting about the
3: way this program works is that people participating are limited to how they can apply the energy that's created from their solar share. Uh, you know, I don't know a lot about solar energy, so I was very surprised to learn that it's not as though your solar panel can just suck up an unlimited amount of energy and then it goes into a you know, theoretical box that you can open and use at any time. It, it, you have to use the energy when the sun is shining, basically, right? So if people are working or they're not at home, they really can't tap into this energy source, right?
0: Yes. Now we're getting into a second issue, which is not the cost that LG&E applies for participating in the program. That's one thing. The second thing is, what do you get for the energy that your, quote, your virtual share of the solar panel produces? That is different and a lot less than a solar panel owner on a, for a residential home would get if they had their own private system. Here's why. When they have a, a smart meter and they actually measure when the sun is shining and the facility is producing energy, even though those electrons are not going straight to your house, if you're a subscriber, they're looking at how much energy are you consuming in the same 15-minute Interval. If you're consuming energy at that time, you get credited at the one for one retail rate. Uh, So that's the best possible scenario for the solar share subscriber to use energy while the sun is out, while it's being produced, because you get the most offset. But let's say you're not home, let's say you go to work. Uh, and you're you know you're not running appliances and et cetera during the day when the energy is being produced, well, they give you a much lower credit for that power that is then made available to all of LG and E's other customers. It's fed into the grid. That's about the uh, one third of the retail rate that they charge you. So, those bill credits are going to be really small when your monthly bill comes. The flat cost is still there regardless of how much credit you get from the solar share. So it's the compensation for the excess energy that, these, that the solar share produces that makes such a difference in looking at whether it's a good deal on the payback.
3: Okay, so we've talked a lot about the consumer angle and what people are getting when they sign up for this, but let's look at it from another point of view. You've got a utility like LG&E, which gets the vast majority, 80% of its electricity generation from coal. It's the dirtiest source of, of energy that's out there, but yet they're forging ahead with this very viable solar project. So what's been the reaction from people who are concerned about combating
0: climate change and that support solar. What do they think of this project? It's really interesting, Marcus. Uh, the uh, you know the the people who are most engaged in these kinds of issues, uh, you know on the on the green, you know uh, uh, anti climate change side of things. I, I get a sense that they are conflicted about this in a way, perhaps a little bit suspicious of it coming from LG&E. I talked with uh, Sarah Lynn Cunningham who is the executive director of the Louisville Climate Action Network. That's a group that cares about combating climate change locally.
2: Well, first of all, when they say it's too expensive for somebody to do it on their own, what they mean is they can't get together the upfront capital cost. As far as the overall cost per kilowatt hour, their system is a ripoff. If you look at what it would cost you to get your power via that system, you'd go, That's not a good deal. You know, most people aren't going to do that. Mm -hmm. And so that troubles me.
0: I also spoke with Matt Partymiller, who is a solar installer. He owns a business that installs solar panels in Lexington called Solar Energy Solutions. He's also the president of the trade group for the solar industry in Kentucky.
1: Our first impression was one of enthusiasm. I mean, anytime there's more solar being built in the state, Uh, I think all solar installers are excited and happy. Uh, A public visible array like what KULG&E have built right there on the side of 64 is a boon for the solar industry. Uh, The more people that know that solar is happening and that utilities believe investment in solar makes sense, the better off our industry is.
0: At the same time, he talked about how LG&E's foray into solar really highlights some things that could be different in Kentucky state law, Kentucky energy policy that would allow private solar installers like his business to offer consumers a better deal. So his point was that it's not legal uh, for uh, a company like his to do exactly what LG&E is doing.
1: If I could build a single large scale array in the middle of Simpsonville, and offer that to customers from far ends of the state, uh, eastern Kentucky through western Kentucky, at a fixed rate, I could do so cost-effectively. And I think I could do so uh, far more cost-effectively than what uh, LG&EKU is offering right now. So we'd love to be able to compete on that ground as well, but of course it is their customers and their customer bills that they are virtually net metering you know, virtual net metering is something we've been pushing the state legislature for a while. It uh, does enable folks in apartments and, uh, you know, shaded situations to access solar more cost-effectively, but uh, not something that we can offer at this
0: time. He also highlighted an issue that, you know, part of the, uh, the reason that solar is so prohibitive is that big upfront cost that we were talking about. It's like buying a car. Well, when you lease a car, you pay less uh, and you pay over time. In some states, it's legal for solar panel installers to lease the equipment that they install to the homeowner for that renewable energy. That's not the case in Kentucky, but that's essentially his point, what LG&E is doing here when they give people the option to pay $5.55 a month.
1: Most solar installers in Kentucky would love to be leasing solar to homeowners and allowing homeowners to pay monthly for the privilege of owning solar. Uh, But in this state, that's still not clearly legal. And in fact, we think that uh, it's something that our legislators need to address and bring solar leasing to Kentucky just as it exists in so many other states. But of course, the barrier to that is the utilities in the state want to maintain their monopolies.
3: So one thing that I think it's worth mentioning here is that LG&E is a giant utility. They uh, have all kinds of projects. Uh, right now, they're currently attempting to build a natural gas pipeline across Bullitt County. We've reported extensively on that. But in that case, they went to the state regulating agency, the Public Service Commission, and asked for a rate increase for all of its Users and that rate increase would help to finance this pipeline that would really only help Bullitt County. But in this case, lg is not asking its ratepayers as a whole to help with the solar farm. That cost is being shouldered purely by the people who are volunteering to
0: sign up. Why this distinction? Because lg e says that they have to provide uh, electricity at uh, the mo- in, from the most reliable and cheapest sources that's their responsibility uh, as a regulated monopoly. The idea here uh, the implication is that they wouldn't be building solar pa- power like this on its own merits uh, as part of their electricity generating mix um, because of the cost. And so the idea is that only the people who care about this, who want to see it happen, will share in the cost, which is why the added cost, the extra expense for those people. People who advocate for the solar industry say that you know costs have really come down. And if you actually looked at the cost of a new uh, fleet of solar panels versus a new natural gas or coal-fired power plant today in 2020 – Uh, It would be competitive, uh, in fact. And one issue with this approach, of course, is that uh, according to Sarah Lynn Cunningham, it fosters the perception that solar is this kind of extravagant thing that's not really feasible.
2: That project teaches the public that solar power is really very expensive.
0: However, LG&E... Their point is that they have a responsibility, as I said. So here's John Bevington from LG&E. We've got an obligation to provide the most safe, reliable and low cost electricity to our customers, you know, agnostic of, you know, necessarily what the fuel source is. We've just got to do what's best for the most. Uh, And so, you know, as, as customers want and demand more renewable energy and solar energy and things like that, I think we want to be their trusted energy advisor and we want to listen to them and we want to offer things like solar share and business solar so that they have options to fulfill their needs and wants.
3: Okay, Chris, when you look at the return on investment from solar, a big concept is something called net metering. People have probably heard about a net metering bill that was in the General Assembly last year. Net metering is changing in Kentucky. Why is it so important when we are talking about this project?
0: Because net metering is the way that people who produce solar energy get compensated for that energy. Here. With the solar share project is kind of like a vision of what may be the future in Kentucky. And for advocates of solar power, it is not a bright future. Uh, net metering means that if you produce power and you're not using it and you feed it back into the electricity grid, you get credit for that power at the retail rate. So it's a one to one offset. Very simple concept. And it really helps make solar energy, the payback on solar energy, more affordable for the people who take on the cost. Utilities hate it because they are essentially, they say, forced to buy power from homeowners at the same rate that they charge. So like if Walmart had to buy a pair of shoes that you went and bought at Target at the same price that they sell those pair of shoes, they would say – that you know, that's not a good deal for them and it's, not a, and it's just costs that have to be passed on to all the other people who buy uh, goods from Walmart at a profit. So they feel like net metering is a subsidy of homeowners and businesses who can afford solar uh, that is paid for by everybody else who cannot. They've recently succeeded in changing the law. Of course, Kentucky is now almost entirely run by Republicans. The legislature is supermajority Republicans in each chamber. And now the Public Service Commission is going to consider a new regime for compensation for excess utility power. They haven't set those new rates yet, but everybody expects that they will be lower Uh, In fact, the solar industry expects that LG&E is going to ask uh, for rates that are similar to the rates that they are now compensating the solar share customers for the excess power, which is about one-third of the retail rate. But let's bring it back to what we can all
3: see visibly, which is LG&E's solar farm. Uh, how long do you think it'll be before they're finished with it? And more importantly, do you think this is a one-time
0: deal or that they might build another one down the road? Well, in fact, John Bevington with LG&E uh, did float that, hey, maybe we'll start looking for a second location uh, to do another one of these things uh, if they continue uh, and build out the, the first location. They've got room for eight sections, so to speak, of solar panels Uh, they are on the way to having three. The second one is about to get under construction. They're signing up people for the third one. He said it's going to be a few years uh, before you see the entire thing built out. And even at that point, it'd be a four megawatt generating facility, still a very small uh, percentage of their overall portfolio but something that they're looking to get into more. And they have other solar projects that are specific for businesses. They just announced one that, uh, with the help of Toyota, uh, at their plant in Georgetown, they want renewable power, so they're going to be a big customer of a new facility that they plan to build. So it's something that they're dipping their toes more into every day. Well,
3: this has been a fascinating deep dive. Your story that you did with Jessica was Incredibly interesting. I would encourage everybody to go online, WDRB.com, read Chris's story, watch Jessica's story. And uh, Chris, thanks for coming on Uncovered. All right.
0: Well, thanks, Marcus.
3: The
2: Uncovered Podcast is a production of WDRB Media. Please subscribe, review, and rate wherever you get your podcasts.